and welcome to this month's podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Happy August. Happy August. Happy August. <laughs> I say that looking out the window, wondering what is the weather going to do today? Because, I mean, today's a Monday, just to let our listeners know. It's a, it's a warm day in Birmingham, I can I tell you that. A warm day in Essex, but yesterday was very very strange it's very strange isn't it I actually muttered these words yesterday I'm going on holiday next August <laughs> <laughs> well I thought Mary Poppins was going to blow into our garden it was so windy <laughs> <laughs> I actually I never go away in August I'm not up for it whatsoever but yesterday I was like I'm going away next August <laughs> I'm not dealing with this <laughs> this is ridiculous but never mind um so thank you very much for questions that have come through this month we have got um, well, we've, we're doing a money month on our blog series, so we've had a few questions coming in. So we'll just sort of uh, summarise a couple of things for you. Key questions that we've had: we've had questions about social media, um, and keeping in touch days as well. So very, very interesting thing. Um, we're going to talk about all of those. But first of all, we really just want to talk about um, and answer questions and sort of you know just summarise a few questions that we've had in relation to. The membership blogs and most um, questions have come from the bonuses as well and I thought the bonus blog there's lots of information in there the membership blog there's lots of information mm. there's also a blog on prices for fillings and by the time uh, you're listening to this the final blog in the series that you'll be waiting for will be about um, business targets uh, daily targets that type of thing so you know do look out do read and get involved um, a lot of questions have come in regards to bonuses, particularly for larger practices. And I've put in the blog post about how it's so hard to do a financial reward bonus for a larger practice because it just means that, you know, your, your bonus pot's going to be smaller um, to spread out between everybody. So it's not therefore a great bonus for everyone. And I just thought it was um, be interesting, Michael, for you to let our listeners know about the bonus system that you used to have in your practice because it wasn't financially linked in any way was it no mine was a, a little bit different in terms of bonus was given for a variety of different reasons and that was the increase in holidays and uh, looking at taking the team out uh, more often because that was one of the things that they really enjoyed doing and for me, I think you're right. I think when you're in a bigger team, but bonuses have got to be good, haven't they? You're either having a bonus or you're not. And I think the problem is, is when you're in a bit of a, what I call, you know, a bit of in the grey area, I suppose. And, you know, actually, it's, it's non-motivating for the team, isn't it? Because they just... As soon as they start to feel like they're getting somewhere, it's sort of, well, they're not, um, because holidays affect things and what have you. And I think you're right with your blog. You know, you have to be very, very organised to do a bonus. And you're right, you know, a monthly bonus is the way that you need to do it, but it needs strategically planning for every single month. And you've got to have good habits already, which is superb diary zoning for a start, you know, no surprises where clinicians take days off when they're not supposed to be and things like that. So um, 
for me, I bonus lots of different areas and the things that we concentrated on were membership numbers, new patient conversions, they were very important. And there were certain expensive areas that I also bonused on as well, which were to do with repairs and maintenance, which was all about the nursing team and the clinical team looking after equipment and also surrounding stock as well and actually being in budget for that because that needs everybody on board, doesn't it? And what we were used to do is any saving that we made in areas especially in the expense areas, and that would be pulled into a fund. And then we would decide where we're going to take all the staff. So that was one of the things that we did in our practice. Um, but there are lots of um, bonuses now that are linked to things like that, aren't there? Um, in terms yeah. of, you know, uh, I know one of the membership companies, they do a lot now on if you actually build your um, membership numbers, they will actually bonus the practice themselves. So that's you know, uh, absolutely fantastic. So teams being bonus that way. And another area that used to give us a, a surprising bonus um, was, was sundry stock, you know, mm -hmm. the sales at the front desk. And we used to sell a lot of TP brushes. I mean, you know, tens of hundreds of packets a week because we had offers on them, you know, five for four, and we had really good verbal skills with TP brushes. And we used to buy an awful lot, but we used to get a lot of reward points from the, um, you know, from the company that we used. And I'm being evasive, aren't I now? I'm being on, <laughs> I'm about the radio. I'm not, not mentioning any brands. <laughs> right, okay, we're saying we're on the radio here. Can't, can't we can't mention, mention any brands. Yeah, can't mention any brands. Um, but we had a really good uh, relationship. And surprisingly, we, we would have hundreds of pounds back um, for just ordering more and more stock. So it's great for the actual sales in the practice. It's fantastic for supporting all the gum health programs that we had in, but also there was a, a, an additional bonus to the staff as well, where we gave them all of the, the vouchers that we had, um, you know, through, through this company. And we got lots of vouchers. I'm not talking like, you know, 10 quid. I'm, I'm talking like 300, 400 pounds a year. Mm. So... So that's, I suppose, that's the way to uh, bonus larger teams. But I'm in total agreement with you. If you know exactly where your profit is and you've got to bonus on profit, that's really important. Then you have got the other opportunity. And one of the things that we did with our practice is that I did appraisals that were linked to performance. And maybe this is the bigger project you were alluring to, Laura, um, where actually um, people were graded on their performance. Now, this is a big system and it's called an appraisal system that I actually wrote. It's actually part of our management course that I do. And what it allows you to do is rank all the team members um, in a suitable order. And what we used to do at the end of the year is we would have a bonus pot which would only be based on profit levels and the partners and I would decide how much is going to go into that based on the full year that we that we'd had so we didn't do a monthly bonus we looked at the end of the year and we looked at our targets and we go right okay we have made this much profit we'll put two percent into a bonus pool for the staff and then the staff got a percentage of that bonus based on where they were in the rankings mm. um 
And that was really easy to do because it was very fair because it's based on performance and it was based on different areas of the practice. So we had team questions and we had clinical areas and we had front desk areas and we had adherence to procedures um, such as all the CQC areas, you know, your knowledge in those areas and all of that. And also working on the business, so actually understanding what our targets were and, and membership conversions and new patients and all these different things. Um, and that really helped us to have a bonus that was a bonus for the staff. And I think the word bonus for me is it should be a bit of a surprise. Would you agree with that, Laura? I don't know whether you do agree with that or not. It um, shouldn't be expected. That's it. And a bonus should be something for me that you get a bonus and actually you do something frivolous with it. Mm. It shouldn't be, oh, well, you know, that's the you know I'm relying know, on it shop or yeah. it should be you know or it's the insurance for um you know for, for the house you know, I never forget my mum saying to me you know when she worked for uh Beatties which I will say a brand um mm. we both worked for Beatties when I was 16 I worked for Beatties and we got a yearly bonus at Beatties obviously mine was nothing because like, I worked like eight hours a week but my but my mum was absolutely she'd already authorized the money to pay for a significant part of our household and it was for the buildings and contents insurance for the house and the one year they would they halved this bonus and my mother was was absolutely distraught about it mm. And, I, and, I, and I'll never forget that. And it was because she was banking on this bonus that happened every year. And that's the problem with staff. And I think you've said that very well in your uh, blog article as well. Is that, you know, it, it, it should feel that it's a bonus to you. If yeah. it's to go for a mortgage, it, that's no, of no use, is it? You want, you want an increase in salary, don't you, to have a mortgage? Yeah. Want an increase in salary to know that you can afford a different car or whatever it may be. You know that's really important. It can't be that you absolutely if you, if you haven't get that got that bonus, you're I don't know in dire straits. Yeah, and someone's put here as well like a question they've sent through is um, in the blog post. You say that the bonus shouldn't be used to prop up essentially a uh, a wage. Uh, how much should I be paying my staff? So what I just want to answer to that person is go back through our blogs because there's been a massive um, series that Michael did on recruitment and retaining staff. And in one of those, Michael discusses salary banding. So if you are potentially or were thinking of using a bonus to prop up a salary, then just go back uh, through and have a look at salary banding because you have to pay people the right amount of money don't use it to prop people up because that's when you get all the different personalities and develop all these different types of people that you really just don't want in your business. And that's sort of the negative side. And yeah, people can't be, and, and that's the problem when you're not paying people um, a good salary, you know, basic salary and you are doing a bonus, they do rely on that bonus because they are using it to prop up what they should be, you know, earning what they're perhaps missing. And it's, it's such a, such a difficult thing to get right bonuses they really are aren't they you know there's so they are, they are. and I would say for me as a business they sh this is going to sound really bad but um for me I firmly believe your salary is absolute number one priority yeah. and the conditions that you employ 
people with as well. You know, the environment and how you treat people in uniforms and all of these things that are really important. The environment, how you come to work, leaving on time, things like that. Having the right lunch is so much more important than trying to find a magical bonus that motivates people to work through their lunch hours and stay behind and you know, and all of these kind of things because actually um they're probably <coughs> wrong cultures don't they and that's yeah. a big word in in dentistry isn't it you know the right cultures and the right cultures is actually treating people fairly on a day-by-day basis isn't yeah. it and that's the bit that you need to get right bonuses are you've got everything else right in your business and actually, it's now time to do the cherry on the cake, really, isn't it? Some decoration, yeah. do you think? Absolutely. And for, you know, the other side round, for team members, you know, the, a bonus shouldn't be a way for you to encourage them to follow your systems and do a good job. That's part and parcel of their employment. So, you know, again, some people think, well, actually, I'll bonus them on having, you know, doing the, doing all their duties, doing it. The, well, they should be doing it anyway. And if they're not, they should be in, in you know, HR meetings with, with the manager or owner. So the, the bonus, as we've got to be so clear what it's about, it shouldn't be to top up wages and it shouldn't be to get people to do what you want them to do. It should be, you know, a bonus for everybody that everyone's putting in that extra effort. For me, a huge part of it is attitude, attitude and commitment and not being a nine to fiver because there are so many nine to fivers. You know what? They do a good job. They follow your systems, but they don't just give that extra, mm, that extra bit of energy that is sometimes needed or they might have a bit of attitude. And we hear this a lot, don't we, Mike, from managers and owners. Do you know what? And I'll just use a nurse as an example. It could be anyone, but, you know, this nurse is fantastic, brilliant nurse, amazing. Uh, We all absolutely think she's amazing, but we get a bit of attitude and how do we handle that? So people need to be doing fantastically well in their jobs, without a doubt. Okay, so we have to move on from the topic of bonuses now because we've got two more questions that we need to answer in the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, Social media and keeping in touch days. So let's talk about social media first of all then. So this is from a practice. Uh, We are active in social media. We see the benefits to it. We see results from it. However, we would really like to take things forward. We would like to become much more interactive with social media. We have seen a huge change. What channels do you advise that we put our energy into and why? Okay, so that's a really good question because without a doubt, I mean, just on a personal level, social media has changed so much for me. Um, I would say in the last year or so, it's gone from, you know, me withdrawing from social media on a personal level to being right back. Oh my gosh, I loving this. Um, and how am I loving it? Well, I'm loving, I love Instagram. I am absolutely just wanting to go onto the app at least once a day. <laughs> um, and I think for me, the reason for that is it's such a positive place. I would say pers- on a personal level, I withdrew probably from Facebook um, because I find it quite negative because of the links that people can share. Um, and I just, you know, I don't know, I just withdrew from that um and then I've really you know enjoying Instagram and I also find again from a personal point of view so many more people are on Instagram are active on Instagram and it's a really great platform to be on however for practices 
um, it's not a personal thing, is it? You've got to look at all the different places that work for you. And I think one of the clear things in Facebook, for example, Twitter, LinkedIn, is the fact that you can add a link to your posts. On Facebook, people can share your posts. On Twitter, people can retweet your posts. So you, need, you do get a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Options. Yes, and it's much more interactive in that sense. However, yeah. I feel people are much more engaged in Instagram. And in Instagram, you've just got to be very clear with, you know, link in bio. <laughs> Link in bio, link in bio. But I think Instagram is such a great platform to be on. And I just love that you can follow hashtags and, you know, hashtags just get such a response from people. And it's part, the hashtag in itself is part of your story sometimes. And, and you know, the world we're living in, you know, again, I think you've just got to think, and if I just talk about a practice actually that was just very recently, who does no social media whatsoever. And what we have, we've put a marketing plan together and what we've looked at there is for them to use Instagram and, but they're not using it for marketing. They're just going to use it for their brand and for brand awareness and to build their following. They're not looking to convert patients out of it. They are just looking to engage, um, you know, get followers, um, you know, that, that type of thing. So they're very much just using it for brand awareness and development and one of the key aspects that they're going to focus on is the Instagram stories and really developing stories that people are engaging in and liking in and hopefully um, you know that that works really well for them but they're not looking to use it for marketing and I guess again so that's another question isn't it what do you want to use social media for are you marketing are you looking to convert new patients or are you looking at it from a brand awareness point of view because they're both two different strategies again um, but I know, Mike, you know, you really, you're really into Instagram now, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I am getting into Instagram. And I think, you know, it goes back to probably our roots, really, as treatment coordinators, isn't it? That's why I think I love it. Now I understand mm. how to use it. And thank you very much for my uh, wonderful training that you gave me in it. Because what <laughs> I think Instagram allows you to do is it allows you to tell a story. Mm. And, you know, that's a very special part of Instagram, I think, that actually you, you build the stories, don't you? So, yeah. you know, it allows you then to work with a patient and actually share their story over multiple, multiple videos. And you can store these videos, can't you? And then put a story in and then you can link them and add the music and, add, as you said, add, add the hashtags in and things like that. And actually, we love storytelling, don't we? And I think Instagram allows you to tell really, really fantastic stories. Mm. Uh, and some practices are doing this really well now. And their link, you, you know, because you can, um, you've got, no, you've got to have a few more followers to be able to swipe up. But, but uh, there is a couple of practices now that can swipe up, which is a feature when you get loads of <laughs> followers, isn't it? Um, but it's really important that we that we tell stories. However, I think you're right. The older uh, social media, for me, I don't think Twitter works in dentistry. I never thought it worked in dentistry no. when I was in practice, to be honest. And I thought it was... A, I, I really didn't like it even when I was in practice and I sort of abandoned it straight away. For me, I think Twitter is a waste of time. So if you're on Twitter, if you're getting amazing results, don't change anything. Laura and I always say, you know, sometimes you look at things, don't you? And you, you make a change for the sake of it and you go, well, that was really working. So my message is, if the social media platforms that you're working on are still working for you, 
then continue what you're doing because your followers like it. Mm. If it's not working for you and you seem to be adding a lot of content on and it's not getting you anywhere, then it's time for a change, isn't it? Yeah, or it's definitely time to do things differently. And for me, it's about working out what, what each platform does for you. I still believe for recruitment purposes, Facebook is very influential. Yeah. So I think Facebook does work on that because as you say, you can do proper links and you can do all different things on it. Um, so for recruitment, it works. But we now know Facebook is all about boosting the right posts and things like that. So if you're not prepared to boost, you are sort of limiting the audience that are going to, you know, see, see, see that sort of uh, situation from you. Um, LinkedIn, I think, is also very good for professionals and very good for recruitment as well. And lots of dentists and hygienists and therapists are on LinkedIn, aren't they? Yeah. You know, it's a professional platform. And actually, they have changed some of their user uh, functions. And actually, it's, it's on the rise again, isn't it, LinkedIn? It's one yeah. of those. Um, practices that are using Snapchat. I don't, again, I, I would put it on the Twitter. It's great for the younger people, um, but I don't think Snapchat works in practice because it's something that needs a lot of time and we don't have that in practice, do we? It's hard to schedule posts on Snapchat and Twitter and things like that. So that doesn't work so well. Um, I suppose blogging is one of those areas that needs a, a, a relook at because if you are going to blog, then you need to do it consistently. And if you're not doing it consistently, there's no point doing it. So you're either in or you're not. And this is sort of more on your website channels, really, isn't it? But a lot of people are now vlogging, aren't they? Mm. Giving their opinions on dentistry, giving their opinions how to manage gum health, talking about different things, talking about patient experiences, talking about patients directly after they've had treatment, about how it felt and do things. So if you're starting to vlog and do videos, then they can be shared on multiple platforms, can't they? Yeah. And for me, that's the power. But you've got to reflect the brand that you're doing. And the bit that I want to say to you is is that why do we look at social media anyway? And for me, it's because we're nosy, aren't we? Yeah. We like to know what's going on. It's a bit of nosiness, isn't it? So I want you to think about social media as a walking experience. Yeah. What are people walking into when they look at your social media platforms? Because if they're dull as dishwater, yeah, um, then that might say to, oh, they're, they're as dull as dishwater and they're not going to have modern techniques and things like that. And that might be totally incorrect. You could be sitting on every digital piece of apparatus and have an amazing practice, but your media platforms have got to show exactly what, what's actually going on in your practice and how you actually work. And the practices that are doing well are the ones that when people are being nosy go, I like this practice, I like these people, I like what I see, and it makes you feel excited. And hopefully by doing that, those kind of things, that's what pe gets people to either email the practice, phone, or obviously do a, a message through a social media platform. And then my next question is, are you ready for that? <laughs> I like that, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, just go back to, you know, uh, Instagram, creating the stories, the videos, it's fantastic for brand awareness and your branding really, is something that's so important something you should always be focusing on your brand awareness because not everyone's ready for you right now but when they are ready they'll know of you and then they can contact you and then 
life is great. Now, you know, it might be two, three years down the line. And I know for a fact, you know, we used to have patients when I'd say to them, you know, face to face as a TCA, how did, how did you hear it? How did you first hear of us? How did you first go into contact with us? Actually, what they'd say face to face would be different from what they say on the phone. And it'd be something that sometimes we were surprised, like, oh, wow, that was, you know, people would even hang on to magazines for like three years. Uh, I read this and I kept it, you know, so don't forget the power of your brand and you should always be doing your brand awareness. And also people are showing people now, aren't they? Like, you know, when you are in a pub or whatever, people are going, oh, you're following these people on Instagram. They're really good, aren't they? And that's what's happening. And I think, I think you said to me, didn't you? It's not about your followers on Instagram. Because when you hashtag, it opens up the universe quite widely anyway. Um, And people don't have to follow you to actually watch your content, which is so different to where we are with things like Facebook. I'm so excited, by the way, to to get my 1,000th follower because I'm nearly there. Oh, darling, you're, you're well ahead of me, sweetheart. I've got 980 followers, so I'm really excited to get my 1,000. Oh, and you're right about Twitter. Twitter is Twitter's great for what B2B, business-to-business uh, marketing. It really is, and connecting with other professionals. Uh, there's so many different ways you still can use Twitter to make it, make it work for you, um, without a doubt. I think I've got 4,500 followers on Twitter, Michael. Um, and that just goes to show, doesn't it? It's B2B, business to business that it works for. But I would definitely be looking at Instagram and your opportunities and getting it really clear what you want to be doing um, with Instagram and what you want to be putting out there from a brand perspective as well. Right, we've got to answer this last question. Um, please, can you discuss people in touch days? Um, how should we be using them? Oh, you know, we've had a couple of really interesting experiences recently um, and even one practice that I spoke to a couple of weeks ago, they're a new client. And one of the things they were telling me is within their treatment coordination training. And I just oh, this is just music to my ears hearing this on the telephone. One of the people that they're hoping applies for the job will be going on maternity. Um, but what did we feel about her coming in for the keeping touch days as training for the role? And I was like, well, that's brilliant. Amazing. Because such fabulous days you really love them as well don't you Mike oh, I love keeping touch days I, I, I think they're so underused in practice and they've got no excitement about them but some perhaps you're right I've had a great experience in a practice recently as well where um they were involved in the the two training days that I did and actually they brought their uh they brought their wonderful uh daughter uh with them um very young infant and it was absolutely fantastic I, mean, I think you know it it's modern dentistry now isn't it we're into the world of 2019 and actually losing contact with key people that have gone on to maternity leave or just having a small break it should definitely be encouraged that they come in and you know keep understanding where the business is and you know there are a number of ways for me to use keeping touch days but I think it's really keeping them involved in the vision and the brand, keeping them up to date with all the training that the other team members are having and inviting them in to, to do those days. And yes, if necessary, um, plugging a couple of maybe emergency holes as well, you know, where actually the practice is, you know, a little bit lighter on staff. Um, it's pre-planned, by the way. You can't drop this onto people. <laughs> yeah. on. okay, so you can't just say, can you come in tomorrow to help us out? That is a no for me. 
a real no. no you know it needs to be planned in advance you know and actually working up to the moment as well you know we've got a couple of opportunities instead of maybe you were going to call um a locum agency to support the practice you actually might say would you like to do a couple of these days and and see how they're feeling yeah. about that but also for me keep in touch days are about a couple of other things for it for me, I would try and be doing keeping touch days in half, a half, you know, like a few hours only, not all day. Yeah. Also, what's really important when you come off maternity is you can't just come back to work, can you? You've got to try that. You've got to try the let the morning routine of getting to work and things like that. And I think if you're asking somebody to come back to work and just literally come back for three or four days uh as they were but it's just not going to happen you're setting yourself up for a fail because there's lots of new experiences for that for that mum isn't there or yeah. dad um yeah. you know that need to be uh you know need to be test tried and tested so i think keeping touch days need to be for that as well you know doing the new routine seeing how that feels and actually having that person at work and going how do they feel about it you know yeah. because it's going to be the first time they're away from their child where they've had maybe nine months 12 months of being around their you know their, their new responsibility for quite a long time and I think you're expecting a lot of staff members and normally when somebody comes back you go oh I'm so great here's an audit that you need to be catching up with and here's this and here's that <laughs> and it's just so overwhelming um this nurse that, that, that I'm working with, she's actually coming in to write some specific systems and she's going to be doing that at home um, and at work now for, and using the next nine Keep In Touch days that she's got to do that specific project for the practice. How fantastic is that? That's and, really good. and this is what I think is great as well. You get to have 10, 10 Keep In Touch yeah. days over a maternity or paternity or adoption um, so you know it's, it's absolutely fantastic and I think also you've got to think of it as, um, as a benefit to the business as well because lots happen and change even in three months six months so you know there's the more you encourage keeping touch days and use them the less you know return to work induction <laughs> reinduction there is because and also fear as well off. isn't it don't you think fear plays a massive yeah it gives people much more confidence if they're yeah. constantly not constantly but you know on a regular basis having keep in touch days i think mike and i as you can probably tell absolutely love them and if you're not using them you should be and we love it when we when you know obviously we're in practices every week and then we'll always be told oh this is um a keep in touch day for this person and we're like oh fabulous so good they're here and then what those people will say to us is oh, i'm so glad i came back i came to this today otherwise i'd be like a rabbit in the headlights when i came back so it's beneficial to absolutely everybody and i think it's a wonderful thing and you know it's not just like you get one or two is it you get yeah. 10 which yeah. is fabulous Just don't ignore them i think i think they as you would say we are so passionate about them and you know I've had experiences where people that have been on maternity leave have, have come back and said, I felt like, you know, you didn't want me anymore. I wasn't important. My job wasn't stabilised and all the, all these kind of things. And that's a horrible thing to hear, isn't yeah. it? 
Yeah, horrible. You don't want people at home thinking, I haven't got a job. I haven't got the job that, you know, I had when I left. Everything's changing. And, you know, it's a, it's a massive change for people, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, use them. That's what they're there for. That's what they're designed for. And if anything, I'd be campaigning that they that we have more because I think mm-hmm. people are going off for longer now, aren't they? And I think 10 Keep in Touch days work quite well for six months but I think actually they should be thinking about doubling it mm. I think they need 20 because a lot of people are having nine months to a year now and I think we need to increase those keep in touch days that's what I would be campaigning for anyway well even longer than that because people are having a year plus their holiday entitlement yes. after that absolutely so, absolutely so it's a long I think, um, the other thing that we need to be looking at and again we're just talking now which is great on a a podcast that we can do this is that you know we do need to be thinking about phasing people back to work after maternity leave I don't think there's enough of that and we don't think about how people can come in we're so desperate to have them back to do the hours <laughs> but actually it's about phasing somebody back in isn't it properly yeah. and you know I want and I think this really uh, balances mental health which is really important mm-hmm. and I think you know you've got to manage that and if you get it wrong it means that somebody could be off work for a lot longer. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's not a positive experience. And actually, it's wonderful to have somebody back from maternity leave, isn't it? I know it's hard on practices. I get it. You know, I totally get it. I've had periods at my practice where everybody's been off. And it is hard work. We all know it's hard work. But, it, you know, it's part of life, isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and especially know, in dentistry got, where... Yeah, we've got to celebrate it, haven't we? You yeah, know, absolutely. You've got, to, you've got to. And it isn't just about the nurses. I think the nurses get a really high whack here yeah. about, oh, it's all, it isn't it's just, just nurses, so many more nurses. That's probably all it is. <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? That's what it is. But it isn't always the nurses. That is a myth. Yeah. That is a myth, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It really is. so that's all we've got time for this month we hope you've enjoyed the august podcast we'll be back in september and we have some a couple of really interesting guests lined up that we're going to be interviewing um throughout the next couple of months so listen out for our guest bonus edition podcast as well Um, if you're enjoying our podcast please give us a five-star review we'd really appreciate it and subscribe as well if you haven't already And that's it from us this month. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.